Well, good evening, church. Uh, we have a great opportunity. I'm going to set some clipboards down here for Patty's, um, for her um, email, so you can get updates on our ministry and some prayer cards here. We have a great privilege of having Patty Parks with us today. So, As you know, we have our missions month that kind of overlaps January and February. We don't always get our missionaries back at that time just because of their schedule, what's going on in their life. So Patty's been here for a few weeks, so a few months maybe. And so we've, we said, oh, let's figure out a time where we can get her here and share you with the congregation and catch up with what's going on in your life, in particular Ireland. So it is good to have you here. We've been praying for you. Riverbend loves you. You're, you're a daughter of Riverbend in a way. And uh, so it's uh, great to have you here. Let's start with a couple slides because I think maybe that'll kind of set the tone of where you've been and what you've been doing um, here. And then, and then we'll ask some questions and kind of catch up with you. Hello. There Hello. Is. Hello. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for having me tonight, mm. and thank you to Riverbend for praying for me and supporting me and, yeah, raising me in the Lord. Uh, so thank you for that, and it's good to see you guys tonight. And before I started, I also wanted to give you a thank you present. Um, this is a picture that was just 50, uh, 30 minutes up the road from where I lived. Um, it's uh, the Wild Atlantic Way in County Mayo, and on it I just um, put the verse, Mark 16, 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all the whole creation. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel to Ireland. So thank you guys so much. Oh, thank you. Very nice. Yeah, so um, that's my prayer card, and there's plenty up here if anybody would like to get one so they can remember to pray for me. Um, but the Lord put Ireland on my heart um, years ago when um, I got to take a small uh, short-term trip to Scotland, and I met an Irish pastor there. Um, but before that, when I first became a Christian, my best friend Tony, I don't know if there's any Sam Sula people here tonight, but my best friend Tony from Sam Sula um, had such a passion for missions and, um, but I grew up in New York, and I never heard the gospel. So she's like, don't you want to go and take the name of Christ where he hasn't been named? And uh, I was like, I never heard of Jesus where I was from. So I think people in America need to hear Jesus. So no, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I went to Scotland and I met that pastor, um, I said, why are you in Scotland and not Ireland? And he said, Patty, it's too hard there. I said, what do you mean it's too hard there? And he said, well, the Irish... Um, uh, we're having trouble, and the Irish are very literal people, and so um, instead of calling it a civil war, they called it the Troubles. Yeah. So um, I didn't know what that was. I did some research and then um, just started to have a heart for the people there and mm -hmm. knew that it didn't have anything to do with their troubles, didn't have anything to do with, you know, Jesus, but it had a lot to do with uh, Protestantism and Catholicism and, um, uh, you know, the, the Irish and the, the English. Um, and the us, and the them, and the north, and the south, but it didn't have anything to do with Jesus, and so I thought, why is this pastor over here instead of in Ireland, and so that's where that came from, and then uh, been, was at Riverbend, and was on the mission board for quite a while, and every single time a new pastor came on board, I said, what about Ireland, and if any of you guys were on the mission board, do you remember that, and uh, just prayed that God would um, yeah, send me through Ireland and use Riverbend to be a part of the work that's needed in Ireland. And then, and then God brought Pastor Scott, who has a huge heart for missions, and I believe that that's an answer to even my prayers, um, to watch Riverbend become so much more involved in long-term 
missions. And so I'm really thankful for that and thankful that God brought you here with your passion. And, and so, um, yeah, so two years ago, the Lord opened up all the doors and I got to go to Ireland and I've been serving, serving there. Um, yeah, for two years. And now I'm here tonight to share that with you. The next slide, I think, can you do the next one? That's a, a, satel a satellite view of a very rare day, right? Yes. Um, there's no clouds over Ireland that day, which never happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, on the left side, the part that sticks out, that's Mayo. That's where I lived. And um, North Mayo um, is a little town called Ballina, um, which had about 10,000 people, and that's where I was for the last... Um, two years serving with a small church plant. We had about 12 people. You saw on some of those slides, we had about 12 adults that came regularly. Five of us were missionaries, and eight to 12 kids came regularly. And um, yeah, most of the pictures where you saw a lot of people in that room were for different outreaches that we would have there. So. Let's go through a few more slides, so and then we'll get some questions going here. What's this? Yeah, so this is um, in Mayo. It's called Knock. And uh, years and years ago, there was a whole bunch of people who believed they saw Mary. And so they built this shrine, this huge shrine to Mary. And in that picture, you see the lady with the crown on. That's Mary. And you could see just how they exalt her. Um, in Ireland, they would rather pray to Mary because they're 99% uh, Catholic in Ireland still. Uh, they would rather pray to Mary than, than pray to Jesus. And so um, they have this shrine, which is a pilgrimage for some Catholics. They have one in France. And then they have one in Ireland, and the Pope is on his way. I think in just a couple of days, he'll be in Ireland, and he'll make a trip to Knock Shrine. Um, I went in there just because it's a pretty prominent place in Ireland, so you can get a feel for the culture if you go there. Uh, it's great for visitors to just kind of get a feel for the culture. And I, I, I sat there. I took a picture. I sat there for a little bit, and then I got up to walk out, and this guy grabs me, and he goes, ma'am. Uh, well, he didn't say ma'am. That's what they'd say here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, we, we haven't done the mass yet. And I said, that's okay. He's like, well, they're, they're getting ready to start the mass. And I'm like, yep, that's okay. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> uh, but it really bothered him that I was, I was leaving before yeah, the mass. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, so it's not about 99% Catholic still mm. to this day, mm. even though many of them uh, would not be practicing, but they would just call themselves Catholic. Yeah. Next slide. Yeah, so um, everyone says, oh, do you speak Gaelic or do they speak Gaelic in Ireland? And actually, they, 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 um, they don't anymore. It's a dead and dying language. There are still pockets where they speak it. The kids have to learn it in school, and all the signs in Ireland have both English and then what they call Irish on it. So they don't really call it Gaelic because there's a Gaelic um, in Scotland and then a Gaelic in Wales and then a Gaelic in Ireland, and so they actually call it Irish. So um, every once in a while, you can meet somebody that speaks Irish, and I can't read that to you, but I could tell you that it means a thousand welcomes um, in Ireland, in Irish. Yeah, so um, these are some pictures of uh, St. Patrick, and he was the first um, man to ever bring the gospel to the shores of Ireland. If anybody's familiar with his story, it's been uh, changed over the years, <laughs> but um, he was a prisoner by some Druids, Went back to England, he became a Christian, and the first thing he wanted to do was go bring the gospel to the people that had him in captivity. And so he did, he came back and he brought the gospel to Ireland. And um, since then they have made these statues of him everywhere. The top right one, he kind of looks more like a pope, and then the bottom right one as well, but 
I didn't get a really good shot, but that's my favorite one on the left because he actually looks like a man in that one. And St. Patrick was just a man, and the Irish have kind of lifted him up and idolized him. Um, and he was there before the Reformation, so he is rightly Catholic <laughs> in that sense yeah. um, because it was before the, the, the uh, Reformation. Yeah. So, But, yeah, next slide. Yeah, so the, um, this was the little town that I lived in, and that's the cathedral. In every town in Ireland, there's a cathedral in the middle there. And um, it's kind of the center of every town, um, and it's a staple to every, every community as well. Even though the, the corruption that's come out in the church and the priests have let a lot of people down, um, they still really value um, their cathedrals. And then that... Um, bottom right is was just 30 minutes up the road so whenever anybody came to visit me I'd say let's go and I'd take them to what they call down Patrick head and that's what they call a sea stack and it was just this stack of rocks out there with grass top and every once in a while you'd see some people uh, rock climbing it so yeah it was pretty cool yeah a few more yeah so um, God has given me a, a heart for children I love children so much um, it doesn't matter what nationality they are, but I do love the Irish children. <laughs> and uh, this little girl, Lily, um, she just looks Irish, doesn't she? <laughs> um, so God gave, when I went to Ireland, I went there with the purpose of doing children's ministry, one-to-one -one discipleship, and evangelism. And um, I found that to be very difficult as far as doing uh, even children's ministry in a new context mm -hmm. than what I was familiar with. So there was a lot of things I had to relearn, a lot of things I had to do over again, um, and a lot of mistakes that I made as well on the way, trying to learn their culture. Um, I'm used to correcting other people's children. I don't know if that's a Riverbend thing or <laughs> what that is, but in Ireland, you don't correct somebody else's child, and I had to learn that. Um, but also, their kids were also quite chaotic a lot, and... Uh, <laughs> One time we were in service, and there was only a handful of us, and there was this um, little boy on the ground playing loudly with a toy that had buttons on it and sirens, and, and the pastor had prayed, and when he prayed, he said, uh, Lord, keep us from distractions. And I looked back, and I'm like, well, that's not going to happen with this kid, you know? <laughs> and so um, there was this old man sitting next to me, and I, I turned to the little boy, and I said, okay, it's time to put up your toy, go get a Bible, and come sit with me. And the old man said, he'll never do that. You're never going to get him to do that. And the little boy put down his toy. He went and got a Bible and sat with me the whole time. And, uh, yeah, so th yeah, so they don't normally let you do stuff like that, or they don't really want you to do stuff like that. But um, slowly but surely, I would just do stuff and, yeah, kind of get in there and show them that it was possible <laughs> without trying to step on their toes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, here are some more of the children. Um, um, the top right one was our Sunday school class, and um, the left one was an outreach that we did. But the children's ministry was really where my, I, I feel like that's where God has really gifted me to be able to connect with children and to be able to speak to them about the things of God in an age-appropriate way where they can comprehend it and feel like they can can learn it. And so I really enjoyed every opportunity that I had with them, even though there was a lot of cultural things that I needed to learn. Um, but one of the greatest gifts I think that God gave me that, uh, there was working with the missionary children. Um, mm. I have such a heart for missionary kids, blah, blah, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, they call them uh, third cultured kids today uh, because they no longer can identify with the country they come from. 
but they can't identify with the country they're living in. And so they call them third-cultured kids because they're kind of in the middle. And so their parents who go to the mission field and have kids on the mission field, um, when they go home, there's things that resonate with them. There's things that uh, just they, they can reminisce about where they're from that their kids can't identify with. And so I got to learn a lot about uh, what it means to be a third-cultured kid. And I don't know if any of you were missionary kids, but I just fell in love with them. And they, um, I really enjoyed ministering to them and encouraging them. And the thing that they have to do the most is say goodbye. Uh, missionary kids are just always saying goodbye. Every, every couple of years, every couple of months, they just get really used to saying goodbye to everybody. And that really kind of broke my heart a little bit. But Gave me an insight to them, and um, yeah, just uh, gave me a tender heart towards missionary kids, and whenever I had an opportunity to be around them and encourage them, I, I yeah, would just try to be sensitive to that, and, yeah. and if you guys know any missionary kids that, you know, you get to see and come and go, don't be upset if they don't have emotions, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, True. it's okay. You get drug all over the place. Yeah. Uh, Ruby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've prayed a lot for Ruby. <laughs> Thank you. Keep praying for Ruby. Please keep praying for Ruby. It's been amazing to watch God at work in her life. When The first time I went to Ireland was 2014, and I met Ruby, and she wasn't a believer. And then when I went back um, in 2015, she had become a believer. And then um, when I moved there in 2016, she had just gotten baptized. And so it was really neat to, even in that short time, to watch God at work in Ruby's life. Um, Uh, But Ruby struggles with a lot of mental health issues, a lot of identity issues, and uh, she's very open and honest about that, so I don't mind sharing that. Um, But one time she asked me if I would take her to the hospital, and so we had a long drive. It was about an hour away, and so we were just talking uh, on the drive, and I said, Ruby, what was the last thing that you read in God's Word? And this was February, and she goes, "Um, Patty, I haven't read the Bible since before Christmas. And so I was like, okay, um, Ruby, do you think there'd be any benefit in your life if you read um, a chapter of Scripture consistently for a year? Would there be any benefit to you? And she goes, yeah, I think there would. So do you think there'd be any benefit if you read five verses um, consistently for a year? Would, that, would there be any benefit for you? And she goes, yeah, actually, I think there would. So would there be any benefit if you read one verse of Scripture consistently for a year? And she's like, yeah, I think there would. I said, well, I want to encourage you and come alongside you to, to start practicing reading God's word consistently in your life if you think there would be a benefit, and I'll let you choose the book. And so she said, okay, I'll choose Proverbs. And so we, I said, perfect. There's 31 Proverbs. We'll read one chapter a day for a month, and we'll get together and talk about it. So after about two weeks, we got together, and I said, what did you think? And she said, Patty, I think that um, Proverbs says that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm like, perfect. So after Proverbs, uh, she chose Titus. And I said, well, Titus is really short. Why don't we read the whole book every day for a month with two days off a week? You know, because I didn't want to guilt her and make her feel bad if she missed a day because we all do that and then we beat ourselves up for that. And that's not the point. And so we got together after two weeks and I said, what did you think? She said, Patty, I've been reading Titus every day for two weeks, but today is the first day that I saw this, and God, who cannot lie. I was like, brilliant. So then I said, what do you want to read next? And she said, Hebrews. And I was like, well, Hebrews has a lot of Old Testament imagery. Why don't we, um, why don't we read something from the Old Testament first? And so she said, okay, let's read Genesis. 
So after two weeks, we get together, and I was like, Ruby, what do you think? She goes, what in the world is going on in Genesis? <laughs> Lot and his daughters and the, the sons of God, God have daughters. You know, I was like, yeah, there's a lot going. So she was really seeing God's word, and it was really neat to watch um, her see it. And um, our church started preaching through Joshua, and I said, you know, it would be a good idea for us to read the book of Joshua while they're preaching through it. You'll get more from it. And so we started that, and she was so excited and wanted to get other people involved. So she asked us if we could invite somebody else, and I said, sure. And she had this one person in mind who was very contentious, and I was like, well, you can ask her. <laughs> and so we went to this lady's house to ask her if she would join us, and um, sure enough, this lady was completely contentious. She goes, I don't even know why we're preaching through Joshua. It's a book about war. Who wants to talk about war? And every time I turn on the news, it's nothing but war and, and tragedy. And I'm tired of this. Why can't we talk about something great and better? And so I'm watching Ruby and watching her and like trying to figure out what's going to happen here. Is, is Ruby going to take this to heart? Is she going to get discouraged? Is she going to, you know, not want to read Joshua as well? And, and uh, Ruby said, you know what? I see the same thing that you see when I read Joshua. I see wars too, but you know what else I see? I see God making a promise to his people and then keeping it. And it was just brilliant, like, just to hear her say that. And um, there were some, um, some personal struggles that I was going through. I was having a really hard time, and I felt really heavy-hearted, um, just about not really having a connection with my team the way I, that I thought I would. And um, I remember coming into church one morning and just feeling really heavy-hearted, and um, I saw Ruby in the hallway, and I had encouraged her to share with other people besides me, like, what God was doing in her life, because it was a real pleasure, and it was great to see what God was doing in, in her, and so I encouraged her to share that with other people, and um, I came into church heavy-hearted, and I saw her, and she goes, I'm going to share with the church this morning. I was like, oh, that's not what I meant, but great, <laughs> and so... Um, uh, Ruby got up in front of the church and, and shared with the church how she had been reading through the Bible. And she said, I really started reading through the Bible just to get Patty off my back. <laughs> <laughs> and that was great. And, uh, but then I got to see God at work in her in even more ways than I even knew. And she held up a book and said, um, I've been reading this book about work. And this, this book tells me that when I go to work, I'm not working for my boss. I'm working for God. And then she held up another book. And she said, this book's um, about a lady named Johnny Erickson Tata. And if she can glorify God after what she's been through, then certainly we can glorify God in our life. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And the whole church was stirred up. And it was yeah, I came in heavy-hearted that morning and just left rejoicing in uh, the Lord. Um, so I was able to go through the, uh, that plan with Ruby. Every month we chose a different book, and we did it for a year. And I had this goal in mind with Ruby. I knew where she was mentally and emotionally, um, but I knew that the Lord was working in her. And so whenever I got together with Ruby, I wanted to make sure that whatever I did with her, she would be empowered and feel capable to do it with somebody else. So it was really basic, just basic discipline of reading God's Word together. And so I would encourage her. I said, Ruby, everything that we're doing, I want you to feel like you can do with somebody else. And so um, the, we had our one-year anniversary, and we celebrated and talked about, you know, the, just reading through the Bible together. And then she said that she was getting ready to read the book with this girl named Natalie. So praise God for that. And uh, Ruby's starting to do that. Pray for Natalie as well. Ruby's an eager learner. Uh, 
I don't think Natalie is as eager. <laughs> um, so yeah. pray, pray for Ruby's further maturity and growth in the Lord and pray for, um, yeah, that, that he would continue to grow her in the Lord and the grace and the knowledge of him. And, on, and then also Natalie as well. We can see Nat, God at work in Natalie, um, but she hasn't come to Christ yet or repented yet. So pray for her as well. So this is, um, oh, thank, thank God for Riverbend. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about um, some of you guys who have been here for a long time, but there was a time of river, in Riverbend where I had a baby shower and a wedding shower like twice a month. There, I mean, it was just like every month somebody was having a baby or getting married. And then if you knew them well, it wasn't just a, you know, a bridal shower. There was like three or four showers for one person. <laughs> and I was just like... Not, yeah, I don't know. I, I felt worn out by it, and I felt like I couldn't really give a good gift. And, and so um, I, I kind of felt annoyed by it. And uh, then I, I moved to Ireland, <laughs> and all of a sudden, um, I knew how to throw a baby shower. <laughs> and I had never thrown one here. I'm like, that's what the Lord was doing. <laughs> so um, there was a lady in the, in the church who um, had gotten pregnant, and um, we were trying to show her that we valued life and that we, lo- you know, we believe that God opened the womb and that God brings life. And so I threw a baby shower and got shower for her, and I, I just knew exactly what to do. And so I thank all you women who <laughs> taught me that and <laughs> showed me how to do that. And uh, so I ended up throwing three baby showers in my home while I was there. And this last one right here was a really special one because um, this one was for a believer, which was really special. And it was one of my teammates who was having a baby. And um, this was a really hard day for her because all of the, her friends in that picture, uh, who she loves, had voted to be able to overturn the referendum so that abortions could start happening in Ireland. And she was really heavy hearted and burdened for Ireland and... Mm. And, but on the same day that that referendum was overturned and abortions are now going to, you know, they're going to be able to do them there, we actually read Psalm 139 out loud, and we prayed for this baby that wasn't born yet, and we valued, celebrated this life that wasn't born yet in front of these women, and we prayed, and um, it was a really sweet, sweet day. So we weren't just preaching, or, you know, what we believe, but we were, we were living it out and showing, showing them. So that was a real honor. And seminary, woo <laughs> So um, shortly after, after I got to Ireland, I was working for a church planting network that required seminary for anybody who wanted to come work with them. And um, they wanted me to be their guinea pig because it was a brand new seminary. And they said, Patty, we want you to go to seminary. At that time, it was called Acts 29 Oak Hill Academy Porterbrook Studies. <laughs> <laughs> and they were trying to figure it out and work out the details. So all these different entities came together to form a seminary that was focused on in-context learning. So um, we were, I was part of an Irish hub, and uh, the top right corner is my, uh, the, my uh, first tutor group um, of guys from Ireland, and there were several more that weren't in that picture. And, and so whenever we would study theology or study doctrine or the, the big thoughts that are out there in Christianity, we would always say, well, how does that apply to the Catholic context, or what are some of the obstacles for this in the Catholic mm-hmm. context, or what are some of the bridges for this in the Catholic context? So we would really kind of wrestle through some of these things with the rubies and the people we're, we're working with so that it's actually applicable to our ministry. And in the bottom corner, that was um, Tim Chester. He wrote a lot of books on church planting, and so he um, 
um, yeah, he, he's been one of my teachers there, and, and that's been such a blessing uh, to be able to be a part of the seminary. So last year, they named it, they became official, they're Crossland Seminary, and they're still in context learning, but now we actually have like our own Irish hub so that when God raises up local men, they'll actually have a place to go to to get trained in theology. Um, Len, the guy on the top right, think, if you think of him, pray for him. We have an Irish hub for Crosslands in Ireland, and he is literally the only Irish-born student there. And so God, I just thank God that we, we were able to have this seminary with only one guy who's actually been born in the Republic. So the need for local Irish men in Ireland is huge. And the fact that God has given us a seminary with you know, one local guy, the rest of us are missionaries or, or from Northern Ireland. Um, so yeah. It's been, it's been a real blessing to be able to do that. And um, I actually will be going back to Ireland in September to start my third year with Crosslands, my final year. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the, the team that I was working at, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier about it just not being a good fit for ministry. Um, and so we, we've talked about what could be next. So when I go back to Ireland in September, I'll be meeting with some other pastors and some other churches that... Um, are already like a little bit more like-minded, and um, hopefully the Lord will make it very clear and open up the doors about what I'll be doing next in Ireland. I still want to do children's ministry and one-to-one discipleship with the women and evangelism, which I could tell you a whole bunch of stories about evangelism another day. So when you went, when you go from the northern end, you go to the southern. Is that kind of where you're looking a little more populated in that aspect? Yeah. So. Um, um, I was already in the West in the Republic, which was really rural. And because one of my gifts is evangelism, um, um, there, there was a little bit more hesitation with my team to get the gospel out there because what I didn't realize is in the rural communities, if you offend one person, you essentially offend 50. And it's a very suspicious culture um, that takes a long time to win them over, where if I go to a city... <laughs> That's not going to be the case. And so I think I'm more suited for a city area, um, and there'll be more opportunities there as well. So I'm looking at and praying for Cork um, um, or Kerry or um, uh, Dublin is the least and the last place that I would like to go because that's where almost all the believers are. There's a lot of Christians. They don't need me there. If I did end up there, then um, I could learn a lot from them and then maybe go somewhere else. But that would not be my ideal. Um, and then also just looking for more Irish leaders. I think after my experience of being on the mission field, working with other missionaries who weren't Irish, um, the, big, the big takeaway from that was I really want to work and serve an Irish pastor. So that's my prayer as well, that I'd find a good fit with, an, with a local pastor and then support that work. So when, when you return, what's the date you return? Um, I come back on the 17th. And so some areas we can really pray for is you need to finish seminary. That's yeah. All. Yeah, so um, having kicked ours off, there's many in this room who know the load that you're carrying uh, to do that. Um, and then that's when you're going to be really starting to research um, that God will put you, connect you with a church planning group yeah. um, that right men who are leading uh, is that, am I going down the right way? Yes, um, yeah. tell, tell us your thoughts through that a little bit, because you and I have talked about this, but yeah. uh, we, under, we understand church planning and that leadership that it takes and that direction. 
And so this is an area we really need to pray that God will direct you to that right team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, I, because I've gotten to go to the seminary, I've kind of gotten to talk to a lot of other people in Ireland who are church planting. And so I know that there's a lot more like-minded people out there as far as the method of ministry and, and um, being uh, conversational in evangelism and doing church as family around the table and doing discipleship one-to-one. Um, and so I've gotten to, to know that that is how a lot of the Irish are, are doing that. Um, and so my long-term goal is to be in Ireland 18 to 20 years. Just being there for two years, um, I, I, I was just learning the culture and just breaking away from what I had, had learned here. Just starting to read the Bible without an American lens over it. You know, just really... Um, uh, yeah, just really learning another culture. And so um, moving forward, I think it's really important that um, the people who I connect with and the leadership that I work with um, think the same way as far as what what ministry looks like in the community. Um, yeah, so 18 to 20 years, like two years with Ruby was great. But there's so much more, so much more discipleship you know, that just, it just takes so long to do life-on-life life ministry, and um, it takes so long. Um, I, the Irish are very relational uh, people. Um, they're, they're really not interested in American resources. They're not interested in a guest speaker from America, but they're interested in you. So if you're their neighbor, they want to know you. They want to do life with you. And so the best way of evangelism there is is life-on-life is life, uh, evangelism. And so um, yeah, just being with a, a team that um, agrees that way and is encouraging that way. And so how do you go about that? You're, you're this single woman on the mission field. That alone has its challenges. You've gone through some of those difficulties. Um, even how Americans perceived you sometimes. I mean, we've talked through those things. But here you are in Ireland trying to find a team that uh, holds to the purity of the gospel, gospel living uh, type of life. How are you going to do that? Where, how are you asking God? How is God going to do that? Give us some insight into that because I think that's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've, ha I've gotten to work with two great tutors in my seminary who kind of um, know Ireland. Ireland's very small. There's a small network of Christian believers in Ireland and everybody kind of knows everybody. Um, and so both of, my past, both of my tutors have committed to help me find those connections mm. because they know me. Um, they've, they've sent out some, um, you know, uh, messages for on my behalf so that I can meet up with them. So um, I've already connected with three of those. That's great. Um, those pastors. And, um, yeah, so my, one of my plans is to go to one of their churches that's already on the table for the 16th, I think, of September. Mm. I'll get to go to his church and meet, uh, see his congregation. Mm. Um, and I've already met him before through the seminary. Um, and so it's just like getting a feel, like having conversations with them right. and asking them a lot of questions and, um, and also just seeing if there's a natural connection there. Um, you know, if I can't get the conversation off the ground from the beginning, then that's yeah. a, that's yeah. a good, <laughs> good and, flag. And what church doesn't need a woman who will come in and work with your children? Aww. That's always, that's always such an issue. Even here in America, of course, we're always looking for children's workers. And then women who will disciple women. Um, it's such a need. So uh, this is a very important step for your ministry, for the future of your ministry, that God connects you with 
that right team to go forward with. So it's definitely an area uh, we can pray for you in. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Please pray. Um, I think I met with Sarah Circle last Tuesday, and um, I had asked them to pray. And I've already seen God answer prayers since. Man, those women pray. <laughs> so, thank you, Sarah Circle. But yeah, please pray. Pray, um, you know, for that work that's already needed over there. Because Ireland is less than 1% evangelical, there are opportunities everywhere. And because I see myself there long term, it would be really easy for me to like not really uh, to just to just want to just want to be there and not really make a good decision. But um, I really want to be there long term and I want to do it well as unto the Lord. And I want to be on a good fit and be a benefit yeah. to that team. And so pray that God would make that very clear and that, um, yeah, that those connections and those conversations yeah. would yeah, be fruitful. I, I think one of the things I'm encouraged, I'm sure the church is, we, we know your first couple of years there weren't the easiest. No. Uh, we know you had some low yeah. times and some difficulties, but you don't seem any less passionate for Ireland. Yeah. That, that's, that's really um, a neat aspect that God has put a calling and a desire mm -hmm. in your heart for this land. You know, because there were some tough times there. Yeah, there were some tough times there, but none of it had to do with ministry. Like none of it had to do with, like even any rejection that I would get in evangelism never deterred me or never wanted me to stop. The tough times were more like personal growth, like God showing me flaws in my own life that, you know, he's sanctifying us. And, yeah. and I felt pruned. I felt like every gift that I had here that I was able to use, like when God prunes a tree, he doesn't cut off the dirt, the, the dead branches that have crusty leaves on it. He cuts off the fruitful branches. Like, he cuts those branches off, and that's what I felt like. I was like, everything that I felt like I was good at or that I was able to do, it just felt hard there. And, mm. and so I felt, I felt like there was a lot of personal pruning going on, and then also just um, not being able to connect with my team. Mm. And I, I don't feel like I have a hard time connecting with anybody. And mm. so being in a room with people I felt like I couldn't connect with, it was like driving a car with four flat tires. It's mm. like, man, can't we get anywhere? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so those were the things that made it hard. It wasn't, mm. the, it wasn't the, what I was called to. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, ministry. Um, mm. And I think even when I go back there, it will still be hard, but I think my expectations have changed. Mm. What I expect from other people has changed. Yeah. Um, coming from a very loving congregation and, and a loving plethora of Christians. I mean, look at all the Christians in this room right now. Like, this is like a mega church in Ireland. You know? <laughs> and, um, you know, so I had a lot of expectations. And, and so I think those have changed as well as what That's I expect. Good. And Yeah. yeah and I, I'm not sure we, the church always understands how much growth that takes place in people in ministry. We're not perfect, and, and it's those times where the Lord prunes us when he takes us through those deep waters at times to trust him. And so it's neat to see that you continue to grow, and, and, uh, and the Lord gave you ministry, though. You, I mean, the rubies are just, you know, thank you for sharing the stories, because in the middle of that, he gives you that, and the children you minister to, and um, the MK children, and you know, those, are, those are just important times. Um, uh, so the goal is to get through um, seminary in the yes. next year. Yes. You have one more year of that left. Is it so? It's uh, and then you come out with a. What's your degree that you? Have? Yeah. Is there so a um, there? they there there. It's a master's program, which okay. is really funny because I got grandfathered into a master's program. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because when I started, it was Acts Twenty Nine, Oak Hill Academy, Porterbrook Studies, yeah, <laughs> and, okay. that, and now it's Crosslands with a master's. Um, and because I don't have a BA or um, 
I, I won't get a master's. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they said they'll work something out, but, but yeah. I'm really doing it for the education and yeah. not the Absolutely. certificate. So I don't know what, what they'll give Has me at the end of it. Has that pushed you in your theology and your thinking of God and yes. the scriptures? How has that strengthened you for what he's calling you to do? Absolutely. Um, when, they had, when they said uh, Crosslands or seminary was required, um, I was very arrogant, and I thought, I went to Riverbend. I don't need a seminary degree. <laughs> I know everything about God. <laughs> and, oh, boy, could I have not been more wrong. My brain was, like, exploding. The very first lecture that we had was about the, the Trinity. Mm. And... Um, uh, and we talked for a long time about the Holy Spirit as a person of the Trinity. And uh, my mind was blown. My, my brain expanded and my thoughts of God were just like, wow. Like, like, I think, you know, I know Jesus. I know God the Father. But I don't know that I knew the Holy Spirit as a person. And so just, yeah, so that, that first day I was like, man, I, I, I really had humble pie because I thought that this was just going to, you know, confirm the things I already know. And that, that it's been hard. Um, I've had to, I had to read this book um, by Richard Gaffin called uh, The Resurrection. Mm. And uh, he's uh, a theologian who writes for other theologians. <laughs> yeah, we would, none of us would really want to pick up the book and read it because it's, uh, yeah, uh, theologians who write for other theologians. And I couldn't even comprehend a paragraph. And I kept reading it over and over again. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? And I wanted to throw the book across the room. And I had to write a review on this book. And then I had to write a paper following that, um, Paul's theology of the resurrection. Mm. And uh, man, I learned so much about the resurrection and the power of the resurrection. And um, I did have to read this guy like the paragraphs over and over again before I can get what he was saying. Mm. And then I finally did, and it was, it was really good. And there were some things that I disagreed with, which that's another thing I really appreciated about this, this seminary is they'll, they'll present us with different thinkers, and they'll be, they'll be different. They'll, they'll not agree. The theologians don't all agree. And so the seminary isn't saying, we're going to tell you what to think. No, we're going we're gonna to show you that there's different thinkers out there, and then we want to know, what do you think? And can you really think through that? And can you, can you argue and can you disagree in love? And can you really uh, know what you believe and stand on it? And if, you know, we have Presbyterians and we have Baptists in there, and, and they're like, good, we want you to be able to, you know, know what you believe about baptism. And if you believe that babies should be baptized, tell us. And if you believe that, and, and so they'll give us all the material and all the good thinkers out there, but at the end of the day, they're not telling us what to think, but how to think and how to stretch our minds and to know what's out there. And, and so it has helped me a lot. Like it's humbled me. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, made me really want to, want to re read the Bible for what it says and not what I think it says. And, you know, not the context that I put it in, but what is, what is the context of this whole book, you know, and, and, and how does this book go with this book? And, and uh, yeah, just really think bigger. Well, in our final thought here, um, let's, let's challenge our missional thinking here just a little bit before we close. Um, here you are, this um, young woman who's been here at Riverbend for a long time. You've helped out with church plants here. Um, it seems there's not a lot of uh, people, uh, even in your situation, going to the mission field. Yeah. Uh, why is that, Patty? Why, why is it hard for us to, 
to leave our comforts and, and go to the field? And, and, and do you see that as, as a problem? Is there a need on there? You're working with missionaries who have come, but somewhere along the Lord line, the Lord grabbed you and got a hold of you and put this desire on your heart to follow that. What, what stops us from doing those things? What, let's talk through that just for a moment. Yeah, I think, I think like... Um I think we all need to be stirred up to to understand what, you know, the Great Commission is and um, that God really will save his people and that there's still unreached people groups out there. Mm. Um, And I think as Americans, too, we want to be mission-minded and we want to be missional. And so we think we want to reach our neighbors. And I think that's great. And I think that, you know, we're not always good. If anybody's thinking about missions, the first thing they need to think of is, am I mindful of my neighbors? Am I mindful? Am I committed to the local church? Am I I serving there um, first? Uh, Because if you're not doing it here, you're not going to do it overseas. And so, but... um, uh, seeing that as the Great Commission to go and to to leave everything you know and love, uh, Christ is worth it. Mm-hmm. And I, if you know Christ, then you know He's worth it. But it's just taking that step, and um, and it doesn't matter what age you are. Mm-hmm. You could be young, you could be old. You know, you can go on the mission field as a retiree. You know, you you can just go and and serve the Lord. Like you don't have to be a certain age or demographic. Um, uh, but but there's unreached people out there who have never heard the gospel. And, I, you know, you don't think of Ireland as being unreached, but they really are. The Bible illiteracy there is unbelievable uh, um, for a Catholic nation. They don't, they don't know the Bible at all. But, um, but yeah, so I think just um, being willing to go. And, uh, yeah, God, God, is, God is bigger, and he's, out, he's outside and working all over the place. And I've always seen missions as something that you get to join God in. Mm-hmm. He's at work. He's going to fulfill all of his will. He's going to fulfill all of his plans. And missionaries get to go and be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think often, too, we put missionaries on pedestals and, think, and we think, oh, I could never be that person because whatever. But a missionary is just somebody who's going to obey God. And, you know, the... Um, the call to the great commandment isn't just for specific people. It's a commandment. Everybody should be involved in, in missions in some way, shape, or form. You're either go, send, or disobey. I don't know what that yeah. phrase is. <laughs> yeah. Or get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go, send, or get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of... Yeah. But, but yeah, so thinking about, okay, so, you know, this, this isn't it. There's a kingdom coming. Yeah. This isn't it. America is not the kingdom. You know, Ireland isn't the kingdom. You know, there is a kingdom coming. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, a, there's work to be done before that comes. And uh, there's unreached people. There are people who have never heard the gospel. And so, so, so if, if anybody's thinking about missions, then I would con- encourage you to really pray about it and start pursuing it. I, I felt the call to missions a long time ago. And I just kept pursuing it and pursuing it. And it took like almost like, yeah, 18 years for the doors to open for me. Mm. And uh, it was exciting when, it, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. it did, you know. And, and um, I pray that I get to be on the mission field, you know, for the next 18 to 20 years in Ireland. But, but yeah, I just want to encourage you to just pray about it and pursue it and talk to your pastor. Talk to your, talk to your spouse, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> your spouse has to be willing to go, too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're hoping here as we wind things up tonight that God will raise many people from Riverbend um, to go to the mission field, to 
to study intently with a desire to share what they've learned. And uh, so we appreciate this. This is encouraging. We're going to try to get her back where she can get with the youth here. We, we should have had them in here tonight to hear this, but um, we're praying along that line. Patty, we're glad you're here, and we, we, we know you've learned a lot. You've had a tough couple of years, but God has seen you through. Your desire for Ireland has not lessened, mm. and I think that's because your desire for Christ has not lessened. Yeah, there's one thing uh, I also want to say for the young kids in here. Like, um, um, I, I'm in Ireland, and so they speak English, but um, most Americans don't learn another language fluently. That's, you know, just across the board. And so if anybody who's in here that's young, I would encourage you to learn a language. And um, that would help you so mm, much good. with opening up opportunities. You know, Spanish is pretty easy. And there's a lot of people here you could practice on or even, you know, a harder language like German or Arabic or, you know. Um, but to just start thinking about, you know, what could God yeah, use? Yeah. But learning a language young would be very beneficial. Yeah. Well, amen. Thank you, Patty, for being with us. Let's pray. And then uh, Patty will be down here. She has a couple of clipboards. If you're not on her email, um, those of us that are, we love getting her emails and catching up with what she's doing and, and praying for her. Um, it, so it's very helpful. So it's down here. You can sign up. She has prayer cards here that you can keep on your refrigerator or in your Bible or wherever. You remind you to pray for her. So please grab those. But let's pray for Patty right now. Father, thank you for this young lady that you have raised up. Um, from amongst your people here. You put a burden on her heart early on, Lord. And we know that your timing isn't always our timing. You often move at a different pace than we do. But in that time, you are creating a greater desire, a greater gospel awareness in, in, in Patty's own life, Lord, so that she would have that desire to go there for the right reasons. So we thank you for that. We do pray for how she returns, Lord. We, we know that her last few years were a real learning experience. And, and Father, we pray that through that you would give her um, a clear view of where you want her to be. The, the, group, the church planning group that she could really use her gifts with, that would be able to be a very gospel-centered group, um, a group that's willing to, to go to the people and share the gospel and live life with them, Lord. And so we pray that you would direct her right to those, those people, Lord. Uh, we do pray for her as she finishes her study, continue to expand her mind and heart as she wraps her uh, heart around these deep truths of God's word. But would that not be just yet uh, only just academic, but that would, would that pierce her heart with deep, deep love for her Savior as she communicates those truths. Lord, please provide for her financially, uh, physically, Lord, protect her. We do pray for her as a single woman on the field that you would uh, keep your arms around her and, and uh, give her favor with, with those that may, may not have given her favor. And so uh, we pray for all of those things. Lord, thank you for Riverbend, that it has, loves this daughter of theirs and uh, has invested in her. Um, and we pray that many more would come, Lord, uh, young and old, uh, middle-aged, that would give their hearts to you to be sent to the field, Lord. And so this is the time, Lord, as we wait your kingdom to appear, Lord. May we be seeking to be a, very much a part of that now. So thank you for this time with Patty. Please bless her, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.